0: Grateful for another day to come to God's house and fellowship and meet together with like-minded believers and encourage one another to prod one another along in our journey in uh, helping build God's kingdom. We are finished with our extravagant generosity series. Uh, enjoyed digging through some of those uh, Christmas hymns through the past couple of days or weeks. Uh, looking into where they come from and learning perspectives and principles we can live by today even through church hymns. Uh, History is important and history uh, teaches us uh, things from God if we will learn from them. If not, we are destined and doomed to repeat history over again. And I've already been through that enough. I don't want to go through it again. Amen. Who wants a redo? No, just start over. Don't redo really it. Start over. Don't, don't uh, take off and try to fix all those things in the past. Uh, go forward. Today we are starting a, just a one-part series for leading into the new year, a message entitled Envision. Uh, this is for today because this is the last service of 2019. Uh, how many glad this is over? Amen. 2019 is in the books, and we're going to have a great time at the uh, New Year's party. We always do, and we really want you to come out and enjoy that, and uh, let me beat you at cornhole or something. That'd be fine. Or I can beat you at ping-pong, whatever you want to put your name in the hat for. We'll be sure and take you out. Uh, Not really. I mean, I always lose, but I like boasting when I get a chance. Envision. The word envision means to conceive of a possibility, especially in regards to the future, the ability to foresee. So when we say envision, what do you see yourself becoming in 2020? What's a desire you have for 2020 or what's a dream or a goal or something like that? I have another slide I want to put up. Trouble with not having a goal is that you spend your life running up and down the field and never scoring. So how many feels like that? Busy, but not successful. Amen? Busy, but not successful. Leslie says all the time that busyness is not successfulness. That if we want to be successful, being busy isn't part of that equation because you can be busy as a bee and never really accomplish anything. You can run to and fro and go here and there and never really uh, get anything done. So I would rather be successful than busy. But it seems like the world we're living in, that it's easy to be busy. Amen? That commitment is hard because we don't know what tomorrow holds or we don't know what we're going to be doing next week and we don't know what we're going to be doing, so we won't really commit to anything because we're afraid that if we commit, we won't be able to hold up to that commitment because of something else might come up. There's plenty of options. How many likes options? Amen. Options are fun. Options are enjoyable. So we need to have commitment in our life in regards to Scripture, in to regards as far as God's kingdom or His word. And if I'm talking about envision for you for 2020, I'm talking about let's look into God's word and let's look into God's plans for our life. What does he have wishes for for us or what's his desire for us not our own desire because it's easy for us to make a mess out of things and then expect god to fix them amen how many's guilty of that getting involved doing what you want to do and then when the mess comes and everything all the dirty business comes along with it it's like oh no now i gotta pray should have prayed before you did it amen should have asked before you went And whenever we ask God, he will not lead us astray. Scripture is very clear that says he will lead and guide us in all truth. That the Holy Spirit will be that voice, that comfort, that uh, guiding principle in our life. So I want us to look in Genesis chapter 11 for a text. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to read through verse 9. So Genesis chapter 11. says, And the whole earth was one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a the plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. Where's Isabella when you need her? They had slime in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Aren't your parents glad of that? that? The Bible talks about slime and... Letting all your kids mess with that junk. That's the fun part about building slime. I'm a master. Not really. Mine's usually not very good, and I have to steal off some kid because they know how to make it. So I don't get it all over my hand. And they said, go and let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we should be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. I love that. That word don't even sound like it's supposed to be there, builded. Is that the way it's supposed to be? I think King James people must have messed up because they put builded right here. They don't sound like proper English to me. And the Lord beheld, and the people is one, and they have all one language, and they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to let us, go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one speech, one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad, and thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of the place called Babel, because the Lord did confound their language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth." Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scripture. God, we just ask today that you would open our mind, open our hearts to receive what you're saying to your people. Help us to have vision. Help us to be a church full of people that's inspired and successful in the things that they're doing in listening to you and building what you tell us to build. God, help us to see your word and the truth in it for our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, amen. So what do you see yourself becoming in 2020? What are you going to do with that? So when I was a kid, I would go out in the yard and play upon the holler of briary. And we had a steep bank out in front of the house. It's where the AA is now, the AA Highway. And I would go on this bank and this front yard and I would sit there and there's all these little ant colonies, and you know you go out there and you sit in your yard and look around, and if you looked at the ground long enough, you'd see little ants moving around. And and people really don't like ants in their house, but they're cool, pretty cool to have in your yard, right? So some people like ants in their house because your kids drop all them little uh, crumbs everywhere, and the ants get it and gather it up for you, and they don't have to clean. I mean, it's like a God built an automated what they think they call the vacuum cleaner the rover or whatever they are, the things that ruba you know, they go around and clean by itself it's like god made them on automatic they're called ants but when ants get people's house they put out toro and try to kill them when god's just trying to feed the wildlife and, and here you are killing god's little people and but i would go out in the yard a little kid and i would i would watch these little ants you know and and it was kind of i, I had some mean friends anybody ever have a mean friend have some mean friends and they would they would take the magnifying light out or glass out and they would put the sun over top of them and melt them and all that. Jason smiling and laughing he must have done that. Uh, he still does it okay. Well I never did do that. I, I was always kind of fond of the little ants and uh, their colonies and I, I never got an ant farm. We was too poor to have an ant farm. I guess I could have built one but I didn't and I, we just had them out in the yard. We had our ant farms everywhere. They was all over the yard. So I'd go out and watch these little guys, and I would just think in my mind like it was little people, right? I was kind of considering them like a little little tribe or a little club or something like that and looking down at them and watching them, and, and you could take out some snacks or something out there and maybe eating on a cracker or something with your Vinnie sausages and potty meat, and you could go out there and you could take out the cracker and eat it, and and you could have a little just a little bitty old piece. I mean, it wouldn't even really matter nothing to us. And you could drop it down kind of out far away from them, and you could watch them. They, they'd be out there, and they'd be stirring around. And some of the ants is a little bit different looking than the other ones. You know, some of them are like the warrior ants. They're the ones that fight anybody else that comes in. You can watch like another ant wander out and get to the wrong tribe, and he'll get over here, and then all the little uh, warrior ants will run out there and pounce on him and kill him. And it's like a, it's like a battle zone. Just uh, t- when you don't have TV, you got to imagine things, okay? We didn't have TV growing up, so I had to, this was my uh, enjoyment or entertainment. So I go out there and watch them little ants, and there's a difference, and you could tell that some of them are, are like hunter ants. That's pretty cool, like a hunter ant. That's like Aunt Leslie, you know, she's kind of like a hunter ant. And if you're talking about people, and, and, and take off out through there, and, and whenever you threw this out there, they would eventually get to this little chunk of cracker that you threw down. And it's very small to us but very big to them. So this little ant, you know, finally he'd wander out and he'd get out there far enough and wander around and hunt enough and spend enough days in the woods that finally, eventually, he's gonna, everybody's going to run across the cracker every now and then. So, And, and he takes off out there and he, he gets there and he, he finally finds this thing and he looks at it and he, don't, he looks at it and I, I could imagine him, it's like me looking at this building. Standing on the outside looking at this building. That's how big it would look to him. And he would look at it and he'd size it up, you know, and they'll wander around it and they'll look all the way around at every side. And then the next thing you know, the little ant, he he don't scurry back and say, Well, I can't do that. You ever watched ants? What's wrong with you people? Go go home and watch some ants or something. Huh? Oh, you guys had TVs, you living in a luxury bunch. And this little ant, he, he would grab hold, I don't know if it's a he or she, I don't even know if her male feet, I don't know nothing about him. but anyway, it's in my story, it's he, okay, he grabs a hold of this big piece of cracker, and he'll take off dragging, I mean, he'll spin his wheels, it's like a, a drag car, you know, and he, his legs are kicking, got six or seven legs, wouldn't that be awesome to have six or seven legs and be able to drag something like that, and he's pulling on it and yanking on it and dragging and throwing dirt, and, and he's trying to drag it, and eventually it moves a little bit, maybe it'll teeter over that way or teeter over this way, and then he starts it moving, and he gets it dragging, and next thing you know, all of his little friends are around, and they're all standing over there, and like, yay, Bob, Woo! watch Bob work. Is that what they do? No. Ants take off running over there, and it's like, hey, Bob, what's going on? No, Jim's here. He grabs a hold of it, so now Jim and Bob's there, and they're grabbing, and they're both yanking and pulling, and, and they're getting it going in one direction, and they're heading back towards the colony, because the whole deal is about dragging this thing back to get it home. And as they're doing this, now all these other ants, and I don't know how they communicate. I don't know if there's like antennas or radars or, you know, like walkie-talkies. I don't know how all of it works in their world. I wish I did. If I could hear them, it'd be awesome, their communication. Jim and Bob's probably hollering, come on, Sally, get over here. And, you know, then Sally comes around and she jumps hold and grabs hold, too. And Eventually, there's enough ants on this little piece of cracker, and there's so many of them that they apparently they're not very smart kind of kind of like us really I mean I, I look at them like people, so they're dragging and they're going one direction and then Aunt Mildred gets on the wrong side right she she's over there and Jim and Bob and Sally's dragging towards the towards the farm and heading back towards the colony and and Aunt Sally's on the other side and she's dragging the other way it's like. Why are we pulling this way? It looks like it would run over and knock her off of it or something. they just like, get off. What's wrong with you? You're on the wrong side. We're dragging the building this way. So then all these ants get all the way around the thing, and every one of them pulling in a different direction. It makes it harder when everybody's pulling in a different direction. And I looked at that, and I, I thought about this for this context, is when everybody's in the same mindset and the same agenda and the same plan and the same uh, will of God, imagine what the church could do. Imagine what a church of Jesus Christ that was united in everything that they was doing and traveling in the same direction and pulling in the same direction, imagine what a church could accomplish. They could pull and go in the same direction rather than everybody pulling their own way or doing their own thing. And I think about this too in the perspective of sometimes it feels like in my life I want to do something. I'm wanting to accomplish something. Maybe God's given me a vision or God's given me a dream to do something and, and it's my piece of cracker and I'm pulling on it. And then next thing you know is I'm trying to get this thing accomplished or trying to get this thing done that somebody else grabs a hold of the other corner and begins to pull me the wrong way. There's people in your life. That as you get in these connections and you get in these relationships, that they all don't lead towards the purpose of God for your life. They will drag you in the wrong direction. Can somebody say amen? You guys are awfully quiet. I don't know why. There's no reason for us to have all these people pulling us all these different directions. So we need to evaluate the friends and the relationships we have around us. Now, I'm not telling us not to have friends that are sinners. Or if you're a Christian, I'm not saying you can't have a friend that's a sinner. But I believe that Jesus had, he was a friend of sinners. It says, they even criticized him for it. They said, why is he going around all those drunkards and those publicans? I don't even know who publicans were, but it was somebody, and they was blaming Jesus. Why is he around them? Because they thought they were so holy themselves, these Jewish uh, Pharisees and Sadducees were so uh religious their self that they felt like that they didn't even wasn't even allowed to be around somebody different than them and it's it's sad in a church world where that people, will not accomplish things that God calls them to do because they're afraid to get out and get stained or dirty when they're around maybe drug addicts or maybe alcoholics or maybe the church is afraid to tackle this or tackle that. And and, and it's it's easy for us to just contain ourselves and become isolated and be like these people here in this little town called Babel that they just joined together and did this one thing and said, I don't want to be scattered. I just want a little club. I, Pastor Wells is... Somebody I cherish deeply in what he thinks and how he is as a person. And, and he posted something this past week on Facebook about the church is supposed to be a hospital for those hurting, for those that's and stared and entangled with sin. We shouldn't be a country club. Amen? Church is not just for clean people. This place was built and designed so that people that don't know God can come in a room with some people that know God and be encouraged and strengthened and, and, and patted on the back and saying, We'll help you along your journey and build up. So it's not about who can get the cleanest and brag about how clean we are. Paul said to strive for perfection. We should. I, I believe we should strive for perfection. We've, we should be uh, going towards righteousness and trying to be sanctified and cleansing ourselves of all unrighteousness. I believe in all those things. But it isn't for us to boast about how much better we are than everybody else. Amen. But sometimes there's people around you that will uh, pull, pull you, you in the wrong direction. cause you to lose focus, to get your eyes off of the prize. And this story, though, it's about these little ants It's just kind of, you know, I can really see that, that God wants us to be centralized and on purpose and as a group and But this story really dumbfounds me because if you go back and look at Scripture, all the way through the Bible, it tells us about unity and about being together. And and in the New Testament, it calls ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ. and, And there's all these things that lead us to believe that God wants us connected and unified in purpose. Amen? So as we're unified, and I believe in that, and then you get this story here that throws it off culture a little bit. And God, some reason, God looked down and seen this tower and this group of people that was joining and knitting together and and becoming a community and said, I don't want to stretch outside of my box. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to do anything else. I just want to be this and had their own little plan. And it says that God come down and he disturbed them. He, He changed their languages so that they couldn't understand each other and he scattered them abroad. You could take this to say, why in the world is a God of unity causing disunity? Why is a God that calls us to love and to unite and to strengthen each other causing division? Maybe it's because He wanted them to get outside of their comfort zone. So as a church, as a believer in Jesus, maybe this story is telling us that God don't want you comfortable. Amen? Amen. That God don't want you safe. You're saying, Pastor, you're, you're telling me God don't want me safe? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he wanted safe, he would have let them keep on building their Tower of Babel. But he dismantled them, he put them out, he scattered them all over the world. Why? Because he made them unsafe. There's something, Dusty preached a message here this past year, and he, he talked about connectedness and how we're strengthened in numbers and how that we're to be joined together and join forces and, and encouraging each other and how that there's power. And, and Jesus even said that a, that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken, that whenever two or three, as Mom loves this verse, it's in Matthew 18-19, it's, it says that where two or three are gathered in my name, they're in the midst of them. And if any two or three agrees is touching anything, anything, it'll be, it will uh, be done for them. So if we believe and if we connect and if we pray together. So mom prays that all the time. If she's something's going on and she finds out something's happened or this or that's going on, she'll call and say, pray and agree with me. And Aunt Mary and Mom, they pray and they agree about stuff and and anything that happens. If you need somebody to pray for you, and, and Mom will call Betty, Sister Betty Sparks, and, and they'll pray together and they'll agree together as touching anything. So if you have issues or has something you're needing prayer for, you just reach out. And, and, and in today's culture, we can connect so easy. But as that happens... Sometimes when you put your business out there, it's like, oh no, I don't want to call Bonnie and tell her that I'm dealing with this because then she'll call Betty and then Betty will call uh, Joanne and then Joanne will call Rose and then, and then the next thing you know, my business is all over the world. And we try to feel safe in keeping it close to home, don't we? The Bible says that confession is good for the soul. Amen? But it also says don't cast your pearls before the swine. Be careful who you tell your business to. But you need people praying with you and agreeing with you about some things. So whenever you call and ask for prayer, you can say, I want you to pray with me about this, but don't tell anybody. Do you have somebody like that in your life that you can call and agree with and and, and have them to pray with you about some things? Don't do life alone. The church is for us to connect and join together. But yeah, we can be different. So God causes this this unity to happen, but really it's about scattering them out because they were doing something they wanted to do, not something he wanted them to do. So if we're on purpose, on God's will, doing what he's called us to do, do you not think that he will help us and unite us and cause us to be on the same task and all pulling in the same direction? How many would like for this church, the church here at Kentucky Heights and Vanceburg, both campuses, to join together, single mission, single purpose, united, and have a will about us to doing God's work and pulling in the same direction, accomplishing things he wants us to accomplish and not doing what we want to do. We have to be careful about what we want to build or what we want to happen. Because in the one time King David came to towards the end of his life, and he had been through all these wars and tackled all these other regions, and and he had he had built this great united front in, in Israel, and and he would become the king that loved God's heart, and but he, but he had all these battles, and but he had these stains on his life too, where that he had killed your eye and 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 took his wife and all this different mess on his life and and he was praying he wanted to build god a house because god lived in a temple or a tabernacle at that time and he wanted to build one and god said no you're not doing it david you're not going to build one because you got blood on your hands you're a man of war so god didn't allow david to build it have you ever been told no by god Have you ever prayed for something and really wanted to do something and God just plain out tell you no? That's okay. But because he tells you no doesn't mean it's no for everybody. So God told David, no, you're not going to build it. You're not going to do it. But guess what? I'll let your son do it. So David, in hearing this, guess what he could have done? He could have sat back and said, well, God, you're just picking on me. I can't believe you won't let me build it. I want to build it. I wanted to do it, and this is my plan, and I wanted to do it this way. And God said, no, your boy's going to do it. But David didn't do that. David goes into this mindset, and he says, I don't want to tear down what God wants to build someday. So he goes ahead and prepares. You can read this in Chronicles, and and David, he pulls together, and he gets these other neighboring nations to send him all these uh, timbers and all this wood and all this different stuff, and he begins to gather everything together material-wise to build this temple for God, even though he'll never get to build it. What are you doing to help the next generation? What are we doing as a group what are we doing as a church? What are we doing as a society to make sure that the next generation has the materials and the substance they need to accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish? How long has it been since you encouraged some young person to do something God's called them to do? Not tear it down because, oh no, I wanted my generation to build it. God's saying, let me do it my way. So prepare. Prepare. But there's this psalm in Psalm 127, verse 1, talking about building something. These people building this tower, I looked at it about building and construction-wise. So this, this, this is one thing whenever I hear build in, in the Bible anywhere. This is probably my favorite verse on building. This is the Song of Solomon. So he's built this temple that I'm talking about after his dad prepared for him and, and, and got all this stuff done. And, and he builds this temple, and it's It's magnificent. And it's up on top of the hill in Jerusalem. And you've seen the temple mount today. You can see it on the news all the time. But now there's a Muslim mosque sitting on top of that temple mount where this building that he had built upon this time had happened. And it's beautiful. It's gold-laden and had this outer court and inner court and the holy place and all this stuff that God had given him as far as the ability to take out of the tabernacle and put it in this temple. And it's amazing to look at. And people come from countries wide to come and look at this thing. But as he's getting ready to dedicate it, Song of Ascents, it's where he's ascending up this hill to go look at this place. Psalms 127 verse 1 it says, A Song of sense of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So he's driving up this or pulling up this hill and he's walking up his. I don't know if he's driving. He's probably having, you know, having people to pull him. And he's going up through here and he's praying and he's, he's rejoicing and he's singing songs and all this stuff is happening. And as he's going up through here, he's looking at this and he says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. What are we building and what are we looking for? So unless the Lord builds it, unless it's his will, unless it's his priority in my life, maybe I'm building something, maybe I'm doing my own thing, maybe I'm building my own little kingdom, but God's saying get outside of your normal, get outside of your safety, and go out and stretch out and do what I've called you to do, not what you want to do. That's what missionaries see all the time. The missionaries we have come into Bethesda all the time, they're they're going outside of their comfort zone. Can you imagine being the young twenty-some-year-old lady, taking off for a foreign land and going and going out out of her comfort zone? How would you love to land in a place where that you didn't know the language and you had to take you didn't get language preparation before you left, but you begin to prepare of how to how to talk to people after you got there? That's unsafe. When I think about safety, I think about Leslie. Because I think about unwisdom as far as safety. And so, a while back, she was up on the hill deer hunting or whatever. And, and, and she's deer hunting, and you know how that goes. She's up on the hill deer hunting. And she'll stay till after dark. And around our house, every night, literally every night, coyotes are all the way around our house barking and yelping and hollering and screaming and carrying on. It's almost scary sounding. So here's Leslie up in the woods behind her house and she she's up there and it gets dark Dennis and she comes down one night and she comes to the house and she says well the deer camera the batteries went dead I'm gonna go back up and put them in I said are you crazy it's dark and you've come down off the hill there's no reason to go back up on a dark hill for batteries in your deer camera right so she's I'm gonna do it anyway she gets on the razor and tears back up the hill to go put batteries in her deer camera it's dark I, that's not very safe. I'm a safe person, ain't you? I, I like safe. I like secure. I like knowing what's going on. So I don't, I, I'm like you. I, I, I have this uh, comfort zone, they call it, you know. And I, I don't like people invade my space. I like giving hugs. I like giving side hugs. You know, people front hugging, that kind of scares me. Some, I, I'll side hug you or whatever, right, Ryan? Well, side hug. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, Jason, how are you? I'll, side hug's are good, you know. It's a safe zone. You know them people that come up to talk to you, get in your face, right? They're like right here and they talk. Get away. You're, you're too close. Safe zone. Leslie don't know safety, so she she takes off up the hill and goes and does it. It's kind of crazy, but she said this morning at Fansburg at campus, she said, well, I had a gun. I was like, yeah, you got a gun. What are you going to do? Spray bullets everywhere? You can't see in the dark. I mean, come on. It ain't like, and razor lights are pointing in one direction, but you know coyotes, I guess I'd go up and get her the next morning if, if she didn't show up and knock like the next morning when the daylight come about, Jason, I guess I would go I'd go look for her the next day. <laughs> yeah, she's poaching. That's what she's really doing. She's back over one battery. She's won't go up and kill deer in the dark. That's what she's doing. Good call, Ride. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some something supposed to use wisdom on King Solomon, he, he did this, and he prayed, and he was rejoicing. And he was going up there, but he said, unless the Lord builds the house. So God can build some things. So as he's doing this, let's imagine this, that he's thanking God for building this magnificent temple, that it was God's work. And we need to give credit to whom credit is due. And anything that happens in my life for the good, it came from God. Amen? And anything that messes up, it wasn't God. Because he don't mess you up. He fixes you. So your mess ups are on you. Amen? Amen? God fixes what we mess up. So maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've fallen short. Maybe you haven't been building the way you're supposed to be building in 2019. And 2020's coming. Think about that. Envision that. Think forward a little bit and say, what am I going to do? God give me vision. Because if Solomon didn't have a plan that God gave him how to build this temple, he wouldn't know what to build. God tells him in plain vision, it's very spelled out how long and how wide and how tall and how all these things and parts of it's to be made up. He knew exactly what to do. He says, unless the Lord builds a house. But King David, his dad, said this before. He said, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalms 133 says, How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How many likes getting along? Amen. Getting along is a lot better and a lot more fun than fighting. Maybe you like fighting. I don't like fighting. I don't like arguing. I don't like turmoil. I don't like strife. I don't like division. I don't like dissension. I don't like any of those. I like just getting along. Let's let's just have some peace and quiet. Amen? Amen. So 2020, how about that, that we all prepare and plan for that and say, God wants us to dwell together in unity. He wants us to build what he wants us to build. He wants us to stay on purpose. He don't want us pulling in each other's direction. So is it that God hates buildings? Is it that God hates people being in unity? I don't think so. Is it that God's against towers? I don't think so. Luke 14, Jesus is telling a story. He tells these people that's asking him some questions. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth down first and counteth the, the cost? Whether he has sufficient To finish it it or not. Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it and behold it begins to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. So it isn't that God's anti-tower he had to tower Bible he set him apart and told him not to because it wasn't his plan in that time. Pastor Josh preached a message one time that I loved. I listened to him at his dad's church. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God seems a little slow. When he says wait. Right? Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not faint. Amen? Amen? It's amazing what will happen when we allow God to either tell us yes, no, or sometimes He's slow about it. That's okay. Maybe He's given you a dream. Maybe He's given you a vision. Maybe you've got an envision that you can look out there and see, and God's given you specifics about what to do, and whatever it is, maybe it's starting something and, and, and doing something new. Maybe it's an invention. Maybe whatever that God gives you to do, know His plan for you is for you to be successful. But sometimes... This building a temple or this tower is like a church. So we got this one place that we can come and meet on a weekly basis and we can come connect. And it's easy to stay safe in here, right, that we can believe that about the same and pretty close to the same. And we all believe that Jesus hung on the cross and, and on the third day he rose again. And we got these similar beliefs that we believe here in the church and it's safe here when you get outside of here and go out into your job and into the, the uh, dusty going to work in, in a week's time and, and people will begin throughout the week to say I don't know about all that resurrection business. Then at Christmas time you run around and bragging about the virgin birth and they're like I don't really know about all that virgin birth business. I don't, Mary? Mm, no, probably not. They'll cast doubt in there. So it's easy to be connected here but it's harder to be connected on a daily basis. So as a church, we got to look and say, does God want us to do and be connected outside of these four walls? I believe he does. That's what we call connection groups. And we've done all kinds of connection groups. We've had ping pong and Jason's done basketball and a slime group with Isabella and just all these different groups, and Cindy done a kayaking group, and we've done a little bit of everything. It's been a lot of fun. And It was encouraging for me to sit and hear Jason preach to me at a basketball group. That was a lot of fun to hear him prepare and, and do a lesson. And just, even if it's two minutes, to stand up and say, here's what God's saying to me, and here's how he can help us. Because there was people that don't go to church anywhere attended Jason's connection group at basketball. Think about how important that is for us to be the salt and light of the world. If they're not sitting in here, He's telling you to go there and get them. Be like that little Ann. Head out there and find you a cracker somewhere. Amen? Get out of your safe zone. But at the same time, he don't want you disconnected and want you going alone. I was telling a story this morning, and I'm about done. I'm finished. There was a guy at Raceland Church. He wanted to go win bikers. That was his, what God called him to do was win bikers. And how many's heard of Bikers for Christ? It's an awesome thing. Tim Yonico has been doing that for a long, long time. And he was really, before there was even a Bikers for Christ, Tim Yonico wanted to go and win bikers. But he knew and he was smart enough to say, I don't want to go do it alone. Because Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, didn't he? He didn't tell you to go alone and go do, tackle the world by yourself. He told you to get connected with people, have people you can pray with. So Tim Yonico finds these other people. Didn't even go to race church with us. Larry Franz is his real close friend. He he's even goes to a Baptist church and not Assembly of God church, but they join forces. And they said, let's go do this thing. And they go in these biker clubs where they're mean. I mean, they, go, they don't just go in a little safe place biker club. They go in the actual biker clubs where these people are pretty callous, ruthless people. But they go in there with the ideal to say, together we can go in and we can be a witness for Jesus. Don't do ministry alone. Don't do life alone. So we're starting this thing after the first year called Red Letter Challenge. And it's about connecting you and putting you in groups so that you can be strengthened in groups. So you don't have to be, a, everybody in Bethesda don't have to be alike. Ain't you, don't you love that about Bethesda? We don't have to be the same. We're, we're different. It's not all about everybody's got to look like me and act like me and walk like me and talk like me. We can be diverse here. And that's a good thing. Age-wise, anything, God allows us to be different. So we're doing these connection groups, and one of them's going to be at Sister Joanne's house. Sister Joanne is a widow. Brother Lovell passed away, what, seven or eight years ago. And she's been a widow that long, and she's in her 70s and just turned 80, I think. And what's going on in her life? will be completely different than like Sammy and Kelsey's going to be leading a group. And Sammy and Kelsey, you know, he, he just come back out of college and just got married and, and his wife's in college and his worries and his concerns and Kelsey's worries and concerns is not the same as Sister Joanne's. We all don't have to speak the same language. Amen? So these connection groups are, are kindly designed and Elizabeth looked at it that way to try to pick some people that's a little bit different than other people. To say that that we can have a connection group, that we can join together and study God's word and become who he wants us to become. Envision. What do you envision yourself in 2020 of becoming? So I'm saying this. The reason this sermon is now is to prepare you because starting on January 1st, when you take these books home with you and you start reading these red letters, and it's not real long. Howie don't read it all. and He he, kind of enjoyed it because he looked at one of these pages. It's like, that looks easy. I, I can read that. So that, there's not a whole lot to it. One, one day reading, just a little bit of reading. But it puts you on purpose. And it puts us all dragging in the same direction. So what I'm telling you is, if we want to envision something for life, I don't want you to make a hasty decision. I want you to think about this. And I want us to spend 40 days together as a church, studying God's words, And finding out what does Jesus want us to do in 2020? What does he intend for us to do? Not what I want to do, because I'll be like the people of Tower of Babel people. I'll be out there building me what I want to build. When God's saying, that's not what I want you to do. Do what I've called you to do. So take one of these books. Get in one of the connection groups. Everybody needs to be connected. Don't be out there a lone wolf. Whenever I'm telling you, don't be... Don't worry about safety and don't worry about comfort zone. I'm not saying go out there and be stupid. Amen? Don't do life alone. It's too hard. And you'll get drugged off by the wolves and the sheep. I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's enough people of your past friends in your life that will absolutely, they would love nothing more than to drag you out of church. So if you go at it trying to do it all yourself, you're going to get pulled back out. But if you'll connect and get grouped together and not only have church friends, you can invite one of your friends that don't know Jesus to come to one of these connection groups. It would be awesome for us to, and they they say that in this series that we bought, the small groups grew by 40% in 40 days because people started living Jesus' words rather than just reading them. Imagine that. You got any friends that you'd like to see know Jesus? You got anybody in your family that's lost and going to go to hell if don't hear about Jesus and this is going to give you a way to do that? What if we take advantage of that? What if we try? What if we listen? What can God do through us? Everybody stand. The best part of a new year is a clean slate. So... Every year at work, they give us a new calendar. It's, it's empty, nothing in it. Well, you got holidays marked, I guess, and stuff like that. But. So Greg, you gotta get all your bus drivers a calendar and hand them and make sure they know <laughs> when they're supposed to be where. Can, can you imagine not having a calendar or not having some kind of way or method to tell people, like Leslie's gotta go drive a bunch of hoodlum kids here in a minute. Can you imagine doing that, that they wouldn't know where to go or what to do? But if you write something in a calendar, it's amazing when you write it down what that does. Habakkuk says, write the vision, make it plain upon the tablets, and God will cause it to come to pass. So if you take a calendar and get it out for 2020, what do you envision? What do you envision in 2020 for you? If you write it down, you'll accomplish it. If you don't, you won't. (coughs) It's Kind of like the thing, if you don't have a goal, you're just running up and down the field not scoring at the start. This is a way for you to become successful or more intentional about God's thing in your life. So if you look at that calendar back there and it says Sister Joanne's and that's a club you would like to go to, you don't have to be old to go to that club. There can be young people to go to that club. If you like Sister Joanne and you'd like to go down and encourage her or strengthen her, it'd be a good one to go to. Find out when it's on there, get you a calendar, mark it in the calendar, and set it aside and go. And watch what God does. That's a way to be intentional. Best thing about a clean year, new year, is a clean slate. No agendas, no plans, no goals. And God's saying, here's your chance to do better this year than last year. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray for us as a group and I don't know what the Holy Spirit's been saying to you through this message today but he's, he's speaking to everybody here I do believe and I want us to all to pray together and agree together for this new year for this red letter challenge Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to nudge us along our path. Lord, that you would allow us to get out of our safe zones, our comfort zones, and Lord, that we could join together as a force here in this community, God, to be the salt and light that you've called us to be as a church. God, I pray today that you would just Allow us to become in 2020 what you've desired for us for so long. Lord, that connection will happen in a greater way than it ever has. Lord, that we will be able to see those friends and family and loved ones that don't know you come to know you. God, I pray for people that's never attended a connection group, to, that you would strengthen them, God, and encourage them to step outside of their comfort zone and reach out and do something different and begin to connect with somebody. God, for those that don't have a prayer partner that's never asked anyone to pray for them because they're embarrassed or ashamed, God, I pray today that you would begin to connect. Through this red letter, challenge us together, God, that we could become prayer warriors for each other. And Lord, that we as a church would be the church you've intended us to be. And Lord, that we would be challenged during this session of the first 40 days in 2020. And God, that you could give us clear direction, that you could give us clear vision, and we could be on mission for you. Encourage every person in this room, let them walk out today knowing that you'll go with us. That you'll never leave us nor forsake us, but you'll go with us even to the end of the age. And that you'll comfort us and guide us and lead us in all truth. God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen.